Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Thank you so much for encouraging me today. My goodness, what a surprise. I'll have to uh, reprimand Jason for doing that in staff meeting on Tuesday. But I sure did enjoy it this morning. Thank you so much for that. It is a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, We have been looking into God's Word about how to be an unordinary person. And it's, it's, uh, you know, we're living in a day and time where it's easy, it's really easy right now to be like everyone else. And right now, it appears as though everyone else is kind of angry. Everyone else appears to be divisive. And we seem to be... Uh, turning against each other instead of pulling together. And you know, that's just ordinary. But Christ has called us to be unordinary, to be different. We're not to be an echo of the world. We're supposed to be an alternative to the world. And so we've been looking in the book of Philemon, really a letter of Philemon, uh, one page in the New Testament where these two men who came from very different worlds, very different backgrounds, a lot of inequality in their circumstances, and Paul is doing his very best to get them to follow Jesus and to unite back together. It's kind of unfortunate, but what happens in our world is many times we measure our lives by the way we live, the experiences we have, the things we get to do, That's how we measure life. What's unfortunate is that life is never measured by how we live. It is measured by how we give. And I'm not talking about just money, but how we give of ourselves to make the world a better place in the name of Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of people that will say they're out there trying to make the world a better place, But their agenda, their motivation may be all kinds of things. When it comes to following Jesus, our motivation is to make the world a better place because we're following Him, and we're exalting Him, and we're lifting Him up so that He gets the credit for whatever good that may come from our lives. A lot of times I I like to read different things. I I came across this book. Uh, I haven't read the whole book, but, but I read this quote out of it. And I just, I just want you to hear it. You're going to agree with this, but be cra- it's just crazy how many times we forget this. But this guy wrote, Ray Smith is who wrote it. It's in the book, The Magnolia That Bloomed Unseen. It says, folks don't give themselves enough credit. The mother who endures cavities so her children can get braces. The father who works a dead-end job so his kids can have a roof over their heads. The daughter who sacrifices college so she can take care of her disabled mother. They are all the heroes. And we know that. We know that. But in our day and time where NFL draft happens and 
we see college kids go from nobodies to millionaires overnight. And we hear their stories, and we're so excited. And it is a great accomplishment. I don't mean to downplay the accomplishment, but sometimes we get things backwards. The real heroes are not the ones who are living large. Many times, the heroes are the ones that are making great sacrifices so that somebody else can have a better life. And believe it or not, that's how God's called us to live. And it's not popular. Even thinking about it right now, you might be saying, that's not the kind of life I want. But yet, that's the life that God calls his people to live many times. And we find this in the book of Philemon. As we close out the letter this morning, notice what Paul wrote. He said, so if you, Philemon, consider me, Paul, a partner, welcome him. That's being Onesimus, as you would welcome me. And we talked about this all along. Onesimus and Philemon, they've got bad blood between them. And Onesimus has done some wrong things, maybe even some criminal things in his society against Philemon. But he's come to know the Lord. He's met Paul. Paul has encouraged Onesimus to go back to Philemon to try to make things right. This letter is an appeal from Paul to Philemon to say, hey, Philemon, would you accept Onesimus? Would you welcome him as you would welcome me? Paul is saying, if it were me standing there in front of you, Philemon, what would you do to welcome me back into your presence? Would you do that with Onesimus? It's a big ask. It's a big ask. But notice what he goes on to say. He says, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. It's like Paul is guaranteeing with his own personal finances to pay back whatever it was that Philemon has lost through Onesimus. He says, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends his greetings, and so do Mark and Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's the end of the letter. A huge ask from Paul. Paul, will you receive Onesimus? Would you welcome him back as if it were me standing in front of you? How is being unordinary possible? As we close out this letter, I think Paul, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, reminds us that we've all been called to be unordinary at different times in our life. But how does that happen? How is it that we can move from being like everyone else into moving into being like Jesus? 
How does that happen? Paul tells us here in this letter, and I think there's four things you and I can see as we look to the Scriptures this morning. First of all, don't be offended to do the uncomfortable work of sharing life with someone, even if it's a hot mess. Because whose life isn't a hot mess at different times? We all have that. And here's what happens. Sometimes we kind of get uncomfortable, even offended, that someone, Jesus primarily, would impose upon us an expectation to partner with someone. That's uncomfortable, especially if their life is a mess, you know, because we got it all together, right? And, and, Many times, the reason you and I struggle with being unordinary is because we get offended at what Jesus is asking us to do. It's a really big ask, Lord. Do you know what you're asking of me? Do you know what this might cost me to partner with that person? Paul says to Philemon, if you consider me a partner, he is saying, He is saying to Philemon, Philemon, are we together? Are we following the Lord together? Are we brothers in Christ? That's what that word partner means. It means koinonia. We've already looked at it once. It it was way back in the the second message that that we did in this series. That word, it's it's a hard word to translate into English, the word koinonia. It, it means fellowship most of the time in the Bible when the word koinonia pops up, it's translated as fellowship. But it's way more than just going to the same church with the same group of people. It's way more than uh, sharing a meal with someone. Uh, that, that's, those are all aspects of fellowship, but it's not necessarily koinonia. Even, even doing things with people, like when you partner with a group of your friends and you want to go out into the world and you want to do a service project together and you, and you share that, that work together, that's a part of fellowship. But even that is not koinonia. Koinonia is people coming together and mutually agreeing to share their lives. The good, the bad, the comfortable, the uncomfortable. The easy and the hard, but they're partnered together. They're koinonia together, all under the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul is looking at Philemon, and he's saying, is that me and you? I mean, are we partners in this thing of following the Lord together? Are we koinonia with one another He's saying, well, if you are, if we're in this together, Philemon, will you welcome Onesimus as if it were me? Would you, would you take this person who hurt you, this person who wronged you, would you, would you welcome them as if it was me? How dare Paul ask that, right? How could Paul possibly know how Philemon feels 
about what Onesimus did to him. How dare Paul ask something like that? That's not comfortable faith anymore. That's not comfortable Christianity anymore. How dare Paul do that? And unfortunately, that's what happens to many of us when God calls us to be ordinary. We may not say it out loud, but many times our attitude becomes, how dare you, God? How dare you ask me to receive someone who wronged me? And we get offended by it. And we stop the act of being unordinary at the door. Because we're offended by that kind of person. We're offended by their politics, or we're offended by the way they view life, or we're offended by their definition of sexual identity, or we're offended because they did something that hurt me. And we're offended because they don't have the same values that we have. Why would I welcome someone like that into my life? Why would I do that? And God, how dare you even ask me to? And we stop. We, we, we shut it off right there. And so that keeps us from being unordinary many times. The second thing that, 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 that makes it possible, you see, we can't be offended when God asks us to do this. I mean, we, come on, folks, we're following Jesus, okay? The man who, who gave his life, who, who was the ultimate sacrifice for me and for you, we are following him. We can't be offended that he would ask us to be like him. But the second thing that, that you and I can do to be unordinary is that we must be willing to pay the price for unordinary to happen. So here's the, here's the kicker. Does God want us to forgive people and just pretend like what they did or what they value or what they say or what they do doesn't matter? That forgiveness just overlooks all the wrongs Forgiveness just, just says, oh, we just love them in spite, of, in spite of their ugliness, in spite of their pain they create. We're just going to love them anyway. Is, is that what is saying? No, that's not forgiveness. Because Paul is not asking Philemon to act as though Onesimus didn't do anything wrong. Paul is not asking Philemon to pretend there was no painful past between them. In fact, He's asking Philemon to remember it because he says, what does he say to him? He says to him, if he has done wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I will pay it back. Paul is not asking Philemon to forget the past. He's asking him to remember it. Hey, Philemon, I just want you to work it up. Create a little tally list. What did it cost you? When Onesimus hurt you, when Onesimus wronged you, what did it cost you? Let me know. I'll pay for it. Wow. That's pretty amazing. You see, love is 
Very powerful. But as powerful as it is, it cannot fix relational problems. Because love always comes with a price. And until we're willing to pay the price, there can be no relationships restored. Even God said, He loved the world, but His love for the world was not enough to save the world. It only became enough when Jesus was willing to pay the price for that love to be shared and explained and understood. And it is no different in our relational struggles that we have with our Onesimuses in the world. It doesn't matter how much you love someone. Love is powerful. It is powerful. But love doesn't really heal anything until the price for love is paid. And Paul, he loves Philemon, he loves Onesimus, he wants them to get back together, but that love is not enough. So what does he do? He says, I'm willing to pay the price for it. I'm willing to pay the price. You ever done that for someone? You may not have thought about it when you were doing it. I bet some of you here have. Some of you watching online, I'm certain, have. There's an, there's an interesting phrase that Jesus said one time when he was talking about what it means to follow him. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And we've always wrestled about, what does that mean to deny ourselves? What is, what is, it, what is denying ourselves and taking up our cross look like? Well, here's part of it. Part of it is paying a debt you didn't create, paying a debt you don't owe so that somebody else can encounter the love of God. So that somebody else can encounter the love of Christ. So that relationships that are broken can be restored because somebody else is paying the price for that to happen. That's what it means sometimes to take up the cross and follow Jesus is that we become willing to pay the price that's not our debt. It's not our debt, but we're willing to pay it. The third thing that allows the unordinary to happen, you see, first of all, you know, we can't be offended when, when we're asked to, to receive someone that, that we aren't on the same page with. We we got to be willing to pay the price sometimes. But third, we must intentionally bring calm to chaos. Paul says to Philemon, hey, please don't be offended by this. I'm willing to pay the price. Now, Philemon, will you refresh my heart? It's the same phrase that Paul used earlier in the letter with Philemon. He said, Philemon, you've done this in the past. You have the ability to bring calm to chaos. Philemon, will you do that for me? 
Will you bring some calm to my chaos? Paul's heart was in chaos over what was happening between Philemon and Onesimus and the implications of of how it was being played out in the church because of the inequality of these two men. One being a slave owner, the other being a slave. One being privileged, the other not being privileged. One being educated, the other not being educated. One having all the benefits of society on his side, the other one being underneath the feet of society. And all of this is happening in the church, in front of God's people. And Paul's heart is in chaos. What will happen between these two men may set the tone for years inside the church about how we deal with inequality, about how we deal with people who are different than us, who come from different circumstances, different ethnic backgrounds. They have different habits. They see the world through different filters. Is Christ big enough to bring people together who have nothing else in common except Jesus? And oh my gosh, our world could use a little of this. And Paul says, my heart's in chaos over it. Refresh my heart. Bring calm to this chaos, Philemon. That's how the unordinary happens. That's how it unfolds. See, we would like to think that following Jesus is always easy, that it's going to be, you know, organic, I guess, is a way, just, it just comes natural, or it's going to be logical, or it's going to fulfill some type of need that we have. You know, that, 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 some kind of altruistic need, like if I follow Jesus, I feel better. Can I be honest with you? I've been trying to follow Jesus for a long time. And there's many days following Jesus doesn't make me feel better. Now, some days it does, okay? I'm not going to lie to you. Some days I experience the peace that passes understanding. I experience the encouragement that comes out of nowhere. And it's just wonderful. I I get it. Those times happen. But not 24-7, not every day. Some days, can I just tell you, following Jesus doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel logical. It doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't feel organic. It feels like a tough choice. But sometimes we must intentionally make those choices to bring some calm into the chaos of our world. You are surrounded by people who do this. You don't know that. I could embarrass so many people right now, not because they've done something wrong, but because they are doing so many things right. They are bringing calm to chaos. I'm going to give them a t-shirt. I've been doing this. We're going to have some t-shirts left over. If you want one, just call the office. We'll give you one. But do something on ordinary. You know, we're going to take your word on it, all right? But there's a couple in our church here that for 23 years, every Saturday for 23 years, they would go to Akron, downtown Akron, and feed the homeless. They did this, started out of their own pockets. 23 years. Every Saturday for 23 years, 
bringing calm to the chaos of the homeless in Akron. Those homeless people, they may not have known anything, but they knew on Saturdays they would get a meal. They knew that. This couple did it with no accolades. They, they just did it. They started it on their own. It's a great story. They go to church with you every Sunday. They're in this room right now. Bringing calm to chaos. That's a choice. You do something for 23 years, let me tell you something, that's a choice. You think they went home every Saturday night thinking, woo, I'm so in love with Jesus. No, it was work. It was work. It was an intentional choice. There's other people here engaged in different types of ministries in the city of Akron that we have people here that serve at Haven of Rest. We have people here who serve at Rahab Ministries. We have people here who, who serve at the IWC. I mean, we, we have, there, there's all kinds, of, there's pregnancy solutions. We have people who serve here that, that serve at bringing calm into someone's chaos. You go to church with them every Sunday. You don't have to be involved in a big-time ministry to, to bring calm to chaotic situations. I, I, someone shared this story with me. Let me tell you what happened. A precious mom here shared this story with me. Listen to what she said. Last February, I was completely burned out. As a mom of three kids ranging from infant to preschool age, I was exhausted. I tried to act like I had it all together on the outside, but emotionally and physically, I was tired. A lady from GBC called me one morning just to connect with me and talk with me. I completely broke down. I admitted I was tired and asked for prayers. The lady then told me that she would like to pick up my oldest two and take them to lunch that day. She made it very clear that she was not going to take no for an answer. So I got the children dressed. When she arrived, she told me to take it easy and not to worry about anything. It felt like a huge weight had been lifted knowing that I could rest and not feel guilty for having to have had to ask for help. A few hours later, she brought me the kids back. As I was getting the kids ready for bed that night, my oldest said to me, Mom, guess what today was? And I said, what was today, honey? And she said, today was Miss GBC lady's birthday. Tears filled my eyes. Miss GBC took my children out to lunch on her birthday. She could have gone to lunch with her own grandkids or taken the day to do anything she wanted. And she then wrote, we all know that going to lunch with little kids is not relaxing at all. But she chose to do that for me. See, even a little action like that brings some calm to somebody else's chaos. But those are choices we make, people. That doesn't just happen because all the stars aligned and things fell into place. Following Jesus is a choice. I'm going to step into someone's chaos and bring a little calm. And that's what allows the unordinary to happen. 
Another thing that I'd like to point out from this letter from Paul about how the unordinary takes place is that we must be willing to obey agape love and see what happens. Paul closes out his letter by Philemon by saying that he is confident of his obedience. Here's what's interesting. Obedient to whom? Or obedient to what? Because Paul hasn't asked Philemon to do anything. In fact, at the very beginning of the letter, Paul says, I could be bold and order you to do what you need to do right now, but I'm not. Instead, I'm going to appeal to you on the basis of love. But yet when he closes the letter, he says, I'm confident of your obedience. Obedience to what? Obedience to the love of Christ that dwells inside of Philemon. Listen, if you're sitting here in this room this morning or you're watching online and you have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, can I tell you something? Christ lives in you, which means the love of Christ is in you. And all of us have the ability to obey that. That, that nudging that comes from him when, when he nudges us, urges us, pulls us, calls us, whatever word you want, to be unordinary, to love when somebody else wouldn't love. And we obey that and then see what happens. Paul says he is confident that Philemon will do even more than I have asked. All that Paul has asked is that Philemon, would you welcome Onesimus as if it was me? But he's laying it out and he's saying, I know, I know that if you obey the love of Christ in your heart, you're going to do way more than I ask. And folks, that's exactly how it is when we follow Jesus. When, when people submit to the love of Christ in their heart, they start doing things that cannot be calculated in value. There's no way someone can tally up and say, well, that's what it was worth. It's, it, it can't be calculated, nor can it be planned or scheduled. It, it just, when we start following the love of God in our hearts and we start doing what he's asking us to do, we start doing things that we wouldn't even plan to do, all because we are obeying the love of God inside our hearts, and then we just, it just turns into doing more than anyone could even ask of us to do. Some of you in here, you know what I'm talking about. You've done that. Let me, let me share with you about someone who comes to Grace Bible Church and how they begin to follow the love of God in their heart and and what's happened. This person wrote, one day I find myself, I found myself in my 30s and in the process of getting a divorce. This was not what I had planned, but now I had to figure out a way to support myself and provide for my future. I worked my way through four years of college and thought that I had figured it out. I was going to be a teacher. I would have a good income, which would allow me to live independently, and I would have my retirement when the time came. Things worked out pretty well for me in my career over the next 21 years. And I even ended up meeting and marrying my wonderful husband. Best of all, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior in 2010 and have been working on trying to follow God's Word since then. 
As you probably know, our ways are not always God's ways. So it ended up that his plans were not the same as my plans for my life. After 21 years of the career that I thought would get me through to retirement, God told me that I was supposed to quit that job to help the women and girls that he would bring into my life. And then they said, what? I worked so hard in order to support myself and to provide for my future. And I'm just supposed to quit? After about a year of prayer and asking God to make it clear to me that this is what he really wanted, I quit my job. I gave up the money I would have gotten for all those sick days that I had earned. I would be taking a big cut in pay. I was no longer going to contribute to my retirement. I would be leaving the friends that I had worked with and cared about to begin working with the people that I didn't know. I took a job doing something that hadn't been done here before at a place that depends on charity for its funding. This person works at a ministry in Akron. There's no retirement plan and there's very little, very little job security. Most of my teacher friends said that I was crazy to quit so close to being able to retire. But God said, trust in me and I will provide for you. Each day I learned to trust God more and more and I'm so happy that I followed his plan for my life. You go to person with that. You you go to church with that person. They worship here at Grace. They were willing to obey the love of God in them and they started doing something that can't be calculated, that can't be scheduled, it can't be planned out. They're just following the love of God. They're paying the price for someone else's debt. They they are bringing calm into someone else's chaos. That That should be common among God's people. In little ways that only God could bring out of us. It's not, not, listen, don't misunderstand me. Don't, Don't take me saying that everybody should quit their job and everybody needs to give up. But we should all be following the love of Christ in our hearts. Leading us into these unordinary, extraordinary things that we end up doing that we would have never planned to do. But we did it because we love the Lord. And we fall in love with the people that he's put around us. And folks, that's unordinary. That that doesn't happen a lot in our world. Now listen, we filled in all the blanks, okay? But we're not done. I want you to hear. I don't want you to miss this. As we close out As we close out looking at this letter in God's Word, don't don't miss this. Have you seen Jesus in this? Because Jesus was not offended when he was challenged to go die on the cross for me and you. He wasn't offended to do that. 
It's hard for you and I to comprehend, but he gave up all the glory of heaven to become a human like me and you in our hot mess that we call humanity and became one of us. He got dirty with us. Not dirty in the sense that he sinned, but dirty in the sense of being in our world. And he wasn't offended to do that. Did you notice that Jesus was willing to pay the price for you and I to have that relationship with our Heavenly Father? It's almost as if Paul got that from Jesus, huh? You think? Hey, Philemon, tally up what Onesimus owes you. I'll, I'll pay it. I guarantee you I'll pay it. And that's exactly what Jesus did for me and you. It's what he's done for all of us. He, he looks at each of our lives and he tallied up exactly what our sins cost. And then he said, okay, I'll go to the cross and I'll die for you. I'll pay the price that I didn't create. I'll pay a debt I didn't know. So that you, in your brokenness, can have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Did you notice how Jesus intentionally chooses to bring calm to our chaos? Has that ever happened to you? In the most chaotic moments of your life, those of us who have a relationship with Christ, it's amazing what He can do to just bring some calm into our chaos. Is it that crazy that He would ask us to be like Him? And to follow Him in those footsteps for others? Oh, he loved us and loves us with an agape love. And He encourages us to be like Him. And that's how the unordinary happens. That's how you and I become unordinary people. God hasn't called us to be an echo of society. He's called us to be an alternative. And that comes by following Jesus. And if you're not doing that, if you're not following Jesus, start today. Start today. Start right now. Do what you need to do. Humble yourself. Repent of whatever sin that's in your life that you're fully aware of. No one has to point it out to you. You know what your sins are. Repent of those. Turn away from those. Humble yourself before Him. Receive the grace that He has for you. And then start following the love of Christ that resides in you. And I promise you, based upon the Scriptures, you will become an unordinary person. Which is exactly what He asked us to be. Let me leave you with a prayer. Says, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me with agape love. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. Now, Lord, make me like you. Give me the courage to love others unconditionally so that amazing, unordinary things will flow from you through me to people you have placed in my life. Teach me to obey the love you have placed in my heart when I'm dealing with difficult people. And when I am not willing, make me willing. 
bring me into the myriads of people who were unordinary before me and those who were unordinary around me because they love you, follow you, and they share you. I hope that can be your prayer this week. If you're watching us online, I want you to know our time is up this morning. Thank you for joining us, for being a part of our worship service at Grace Bible Church. God bless you.